My name is Mary Clay and welcome to episode two, all about the shadow of the past from Fellowship of the Rings being the second part of That's What I'm Talking About. everyone. Uh, today I'm joined by Christina Kahn. She is a publisher here at Brandy Lane Publishers in Richmond, Virginia. Also my former manager slash boss slash supervisor when I was an intern there last summer and also a Mondo Lord of the Rings fan. Welcome Christina. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yay! And I'm delighted you're here because if there's one thing that uh, stuck out on my mind it was that as I was leaving my internship you were prepared I think you were in the midst of preparing to get a really awesome Lord of the Rings tattoo and you were showing everyone in the office the the sketch and and all this stuff and I was I had no idea idea like what any of it meant or the symbolism or how it was connected to Lord of the Rings but it looked cool so thank you spoiler alert you're have, gonna have to read the entire trilogy to really get the tattoo oh I will I will read the entire trilogy it'll take me how many chapters are in fellowship of the ring because let's check here's some page flipping ASMR for anyone interested <laughs> man I really appreciate when books have table of contents they don't do that anymore yeah, yeah there are oh come on it's in roman numerals ew <laughs> why would they do that to us okay i don't know point being it's gonna take me a couple of years to go through the the trilogy but i'll <laughs> get there at some point and then after the trilogy i'll be doing the hobbit cool. and then after that i suppose i'll be doing the movies or maybe I'll do the movies along the way. Who knows? There's also the Cimmerillion. Yes, that's what I've heard. And I've also heard it's very dense. Yep, it's a textbook, but I have the illustrated edition, which makes it go by a little easier. Oh, if there's an illustrated edition, I'm in. Yeah, and then also apparently there's a Amazon Prime series in the works. Have you heard about this? It's one of those things where I didn't think that I... As soon as you said it, I was like, that sounds familiar. So I feel like I have heard about that before. But honestly... Why mess with perfection? Those movies are so clutch. Oh, so the movies really are good. I would think that they are as good as you can get considering how extraordinarily dense and at times boring the books can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing I do know about the movies, it's that people love to say like, it was like you, Avengers Endgame is three hours long. Ah, and then it was like me, the Lord of the Rings extended director's yep. cut is like 10 it hours long. Extreme, but the movie's... I think do a really good job of keeping it like really engaging the whole time. You know, when you make a movie, you kind of have to uh, appeal to a wider audience. So I think they do a really good job. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, we're not here to talk about the movies today. True. We're here to, well, actually first, let me ask you, how did you get into Lord of the Rings? Actually, okay. I've always been a huge fantasy nerd. Obviously, this com should come as no surprise to anybody because I'm a millennial. It started with Harry Potter um, and it kind of just blossomed from there. And all through high school, I tried I tried to read Lord of the Rings and sometimes you're just not ready for a certain book at a certain time. So it wasn't actually until I got to college that I managed to read the whole series. Um, I did manage The Hobbit in high school and, I, and because that's like a cute little nugget of a story. 
Lord of the Rings is an epic and you have to really just be ready for it. So when I was lifeguarding um, in college, I read this book. Um, there were not a lot of swimmers at my pools. Uh, <laughs> do not worry. I'm an excellent lifeguard. No, it's okay. Um, and I, I, was, I was also a lifeguard and I did a lot of readings on my, on my breaks yeah, too. So. They were like 12 hour days. What am I supposed to do? But so I read these. Yeah, just at the pool, I read them really quickly because like I said, 12 hour days and I just was completely obsessed. I was really able to get kind of caught up in the mythos and the history, which I think is a really important part of um, really appreciating this series. Um, and since then, I've read them twice. And I guess I am rereading them now because I started refreshing myself for this podcast. And I'm like, wow, I'm already like 80 pages in. Why not keep going? Nice. Awesome. That's really that's really exciting to hear that you've refreshed your excitement for this series. Oh, a side note, my first exposure to Lord of the Rings ever. Um, I didn't see the movies when they came out, except for my sixth grade boyfriend, Alex, took me to see The Two Towers on our only date ever. And I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and he was cracking jokes the whole time. So we're the annoying 11 year olds giggling in the front row and I had no idea what was happening. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> you were probably at least better than um, I went to go see Spider-Man Far From Home and there were these middle school boys sitting behind me and they took their shoes off uh, in the theater, like tennis shoes. Do you know what middle school boy feet <laughs> smell like in the middle in, in July? When it was like God. 95 degrees out, it was, I was like looking around, I was like, what is that smell? And then like at one point I saw one of them, I guess like going to the bathroom or something and they got up behind me and walked down the aisle next to me and they were carrying their tennis <laughs> shoes in their hands. I was like, what? Where is your mother? Now that is the appropriate time to say boys will be boys. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, amen. But anyway, so first let's jump right in and, and kick off with the beginning of chapter two. So where we last left off in chapter one, Bilbo has left, he peaced out and left Frodo the ring and Gandalf kind of left Frodo with a very cryptic, ominous conversation where Gandalf was showing his concern about the ring and uh, asking Frodo to exercise caution, but he didn't really know what about the ring he should exercise caution mm -hmm. with. And then it said, and I believe it ended with, Frodo did not see Gandalf for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then chapter two begins like 19 years later or yep. something like that. Wait, no, that's that's Harry Potter. That's the epilogue. It's, 17, anyway. it's 17 years later. Oh, okay, so I'm close yeah so yeah it's, very good it's a huge time jump which yeah I which just, is um a really good indicator of the pacing of this series yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny you bring up the pacing because that was one of my main issues with watching the first movie is I uh, so I had to I only watched the first movie because I had to watch it for some film class that I was in. I remember getting really mad about how slow it was moving. I thought it was moving slow because they were talking about like, oh, we're going to Mount Doom, we're going to Mount Doom. And then all of a sudden I looked down and realized there's five minutes left and they are nowhere near Mount Doom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a joke that halfway through Fellowship of the Ring, you're still in the Shire. Spoiler alert. Are you <laughs> it takes them a long oh, time. No! Oh. No. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> that's good for me to know. But, no, that's actually good for me to know so I can like be a more patient reader as I go through this. Yeah. Take your time. Enjoy the idyllic scenery of the Shire. Yes. Oh, you know, man. And just ca carry that memory with you. That imagery, though. Tolkien. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. side note. How do you pronounce the author's name, Christina? Well, for the... <laughs> 
for the sake of this podcast, I, know that's I pronounce a it question. Tolkien because that's what I'm talking about. I say Tolkien. Okay, cool. Because I know, I know it's like rolling, rowling. How do other people pronounce? Well, this movie came out like a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, and one of the like clips from the movie that they use in a lot oh, of yeah. promos was showing like J.R.R. Tolkien in class or whatever as a young boy, and they're taking role, and he's like Tolkien, and he stands up and goes, "It's pronounced Tolkien." Oh God! You know, English is really moving towards those lazy vowels, so Tolkien is a lot of work. <laughs> but Tolkien. And who pronounces it Rowling anymore? Right. Okay, so one of my favorite jokes is really dependent on the pronunciation of J.K. Rowling. How does Harry Potter get down a hill? Walking. J.K. JK. Rowling. Uh, That's probably my most overused joke in the world, but I'm really proud of it. Well, um, the other day I was asleep and my mom told me the next morning, she's like, yeah, you were like reciting the Lord of the Rings in your sleep. I said, oh, I must have been Tolkien in my sleep. Okay, let's count how many terrible author name puns we can make during this podcast. Um, probably two, because that's the only, those are the only two I know. Does the title of the podcast count? Uh, three, then. Okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Actually, I came up with a bunch more. If anyone goes back on my Twitter, I tweeted a poll asking what the name of this podcast should be called, because I just kept coming up with puns for Tolkien, and I was like, there's what you talking about, now that's what I'm talking about, because I really... I want there to be some edit where it's the, now that's what I call music CD. (laughs) But it's, now that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) But that's too, that was kind of wordy. So I don't remember what the other two were, but. um, God, I feel like if I ever become a published author, I really need to find a punnier name. Yeah. Oh, the alternative name for this, when I eventually finish all things Lord of the Rings, but I still want to keep making a podcast, is I change it to That's What I'm Talking About, because Watt is my last name. Listeners, for those of you that don't know. Oh, yeah. I guess you have a pretty punnable last name. Yeah, that's that's about the only one I can do. Have you ever seen that Harry Potter meme where Hagrid's like, you're a light bulb, Harry, and Harry's like, I'm a what? I'm a what? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great. I really wish I could turn that joke. My um, brother just got engaged and I came up with the wedding hashtag for my sister's wedding. I feel like it's my job as the witty third single child (laughs) that I need to create a good wedding hashtag for them. So I love that. You're a light bulb, Harry. I'm a what? (laughs) That would be great. It's perfect. It's officially, if they don't like it, you got to make a rogue hashtag. It's a pretty it's a pretty long hashtag, so we'll see. We'll see how that pitch goes. Okay, so Lord of the Rings chapter 2. I forgot the name of the chapter already. What Shadow is it? Shadow of the, the past. past. That's it. Yeah, so it starts several years later. Gandalf kind of comes and goes and then eventually his meetings and appearances in the Shire in Hobbiton with Frodo decrease until he just kind of stops showing up for a while. And then meanwhile, Um, As this time is passing, all of these rumors and kind of whisperings of things happening outside the Shire kind of infiltrate the, the Shire protective bubble of purity. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of forgot and I remembered when I reread that like this chapter is like a complete spoiler alert for everything cool that you're gonna see it's like oh there's like walking trees and there's elves and there's a dark lord in the land of mordor a giant enemy and you're like dang you couldn't surprise me with some ants later down the road so it's funny you specifically mentioned the tree men because i wrote that i wasn't sure at first if it was like 
actually walking trees or if they were describing them as tree men because they were so big and tall. Because now all I'm picturing in the like Prince Caspian movie in that final battle when if you've ever if you've seen the Prince Caspian movie. No, but I'll pretend I have. Oh, yes. Oh, my. You should because Caspian is pretty good looking. Is that that's an, that's Narnia, right? Yes, that's Narnia. It's the second okay, Narnia okay. one where they very unnecessarily make Susan be the love interest for Prince Caspian. And I remember being really confused about it because because I was like, that's kind of random that they just just have them have the kiss at the end, but okay. And I watched some like commentary on it and the directors were like, yeah, it just didn't make sense for us to have these two, you know, good looking actors who are about the same uh. age and not have them you know, have a romantic interest in each other. And I was like, um, okay, I think you cannot do that, but all right. Yeah, so the tree, so anyway, in the Caspian movie, in this like big final battle, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Prince Caspian. <laughs> I think it came out, I don't know, 10 years ago at this point, probably. Yeah, what's the statute of limitations on spoilers? That's a great question. I don't know because in the day of internet, so like the in-game spoiler ban or whatever was lifted after like two weeks. Like this was an official thing that like Marvel led was like there's a spoiler ban no one talk about in-game on the internet and then like a couple weeks later after the release of the movie, suddenly all the actors were like the spoiler ban is lifted. Here's an illegal video I took of us uh, standing around and dancing behind the scenes of the final battle oh my gosh imagine imagine being so it's like such a big franchise that you can just in like enact your own spoiler ban the other freaky thing about marvel that's like kind of a little bit big brother and a little bit terrifying Mm -hmm. is you hear all these stories it's not like it's funny at first so like for example shoot what's her name she plays pepper Gwyneth Paltrow yes 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 my girl she didn't know she was in some like she was in like Spider-Man or she was like she had a random appearance in some non-Iron Man or Avengers movie and she didn't know it because the Marvel and, and editors and directors and stuff will just like have the actors come in and film something like on a green screen And they will only give them, like, the one page of script that they need for that scene and then won't tell them anything. Brie Larson came in to film, you know, I guess this was before they told her that she was going to be Captain Marvel, but she came in to film for, it ended up being, I think, the post-credit scene for Captain Marvel. And it's just, like, a really quick thing where Captain Marvel comes in in the aftermath of Infinity War after, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, in-game and Infinity War spoiler alerts. (laughs) (laughs) After um, everyone's been dusted... And she comes in and says... Oh my god, they get dusted? Yeah, Just what? <laughs> I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. Uh, stop! Uh, uh, oh god. Oh god, I have trauma. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. <laughs> anyway, so she comes in in this post credit scene and says something like, where is he? He being Nick Fury. And I think that yeah. was the only line she had. And they didn't tell her like, oh, you're here looking for Nick Fury here are the other, like, she was saying, like, who is he? Like, who, and who am I talking to? Who else is in the room? Like, she was, she had to yeah. ask for the directors oh to say, like, can you at least point to, like, who I'm going to be talking to so that I can, you know, be looking at them? And she thought the line meant, like, where is he? Like, he was just in the next room. Not, he's been dusted and has Completely to, vanished. Yeah. <laughs> Full Voldemort stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Marvel does oh this God, really 
freaky thing with that's kind of like some spy stuff oh yeah a hundred percent it feels like burn this after you do your life yes exactly like this message will self-destruct yeah it's very freaky but yeah spoil yeah so spoiler talk and and etiquette i think is really interesting now in the day and age of the internet because like for example with stranger things like stranger things three you know one person can watch all of the season in one day or there might be busy, you know, people who are busier. I was gonna say, don't and you'd say anything because I have not watched it yet. Hey, Mary Clay. Yes, sorry. What? I, I'd really like to hear you finish talking about Prince Caspian. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Anyway, in this final big battle, these I don't know how it, I don't remember how it happens, but like Aslan, the magical lion who's symbolic of Jesus, uh-huh, is uh-huh. he like does a, a mighty magical roar. I think somehow and brings to life all of the trees around like they're this battle is happening Ooh. in this big open field and he like brings to life all of the trees around him and all of the roots in the trees start like pulling up out of the ground and they smash to bits the catapults and stuff that the enemy has and like open up big holes and so that's that's Love kind it. of what I'm imagining when Tolkien writes about tree men is this like weirdly terrifying force yeah. of nature that shouldn't be. Yeah, it's like an extension of the earth, you know? They're just like, man, when the trees start stirring, you know something's like real wrong. All this talk of all these enemies and ominous things is happening and some of the hobbits are hearing, oh, it makes, there's one line that says something. So I got a line. Do you want yeah, me to read it to you? They're talking about how the elves and the dwarves are like crossing through the Shire and it says these people were the hobbits' chief source of news from distant parts if they wanted any. As a rule, dwarves said little and hobbits asked no more. And that's just about sums it up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then there's there's another line that it said something like, even the, mo- even the most deaf and hard of hearing hobbits were beginning to hear word. Yeah, even the deafest and most stay at home began to hear queer tales. Yes, that's it. That's it. Stay at home. This is when Sam, my... My baby, Samwise, is at the tavern. Everyone's like, oh, you're tall tale, Sam. And Sam's like, it, Sam right now is how I feel about climate change. He's like, guys, um, something's really going on. And they're like, ah, you you worry too much. It's gonna be fine. Look around us. The sun is shining. And it's like, okay, but trees are walking and the elves are fleeing and something is amiss. Wow, that's, that's so accurate. I love that. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great metaphor. It also... Um, I'll, oh God, that was my chair, listeners. <laughs> I'm in a really squeaky chair, sure. I promise. <laughs> Here, I'll do it again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> high quality chair squeaking content coming at you live from that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah. Oh, okay. So it, it interests me that you say Sam is is your baby, I believe, is, is the word. Yeah, unpopular opinion. Frodo is not the protagonist of these books. That will, that is my popular opinion, un, my unpopular opinion, hmm. very popular with me. Um, I will be interested to hear your perspective of this as the, <laughs> you get into the second and third books, but um, Sam, if you ask me, is the protagonist of these books. Okay, the, well, that already worries me. I'll, I'll, I'll probably get more into this in chapter three for my chapter three episode, but I'm not a huge fan of Sam. I kind of just find him annoying. He is. No, I get it. But he grows on you. I was going to say, I really hope he improves because right now he kind of just seems like... 
like uh, there's a there's a gif of Will Smith from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and it says something like, all right, he, he's a little confused, but he's got the right spirit. And that's what I feel like his heart feels in the right place. And we'll get into, uh, we can talk about this more given what happens at the end of this chapter. But it, it seems like his heart is in the right place. But um, he... I'm just like, just be a little bit better, Sam. Just don't just, just do better. Just just don't try so hard. Just like take a deep breath and 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 just think before you say something or or yeah. do something. I'm hoping I'm interested to see that character journey shift. So eventually, after all this talk and everything is starting, Gandalf returns and it's never a good sign unless it's your birthday. <laughs> right. And I think so I'm I'm a little unclear. It, it feels like something was accidentally cut out of my version because so he shows up, I think at night, uh, the conversation that we read about doesn't happen until the following morning. And Frodo says like, oh, you started to tell me about blah, blah, blah yeah. last night, but you said that you'd rather wait until morning. And they make several references throughout this conversation to like, oh, you told me last night or last night I began t- telling you and we didn't read about that. So yeah, it literally just says he, Frodo, pressed him, Gandalf, for news of himself and of the wide world. And soon they were deep in talk and they stayed up far into the night. End scene. Next morning, apparently, is uh, uh, the even deeper talk. Tolkien's very practical. He's like, you know what? They didn't want to get into all this um, in the dreary nighttime. They waited until the bright light of day to talk about these very serious matters. And serious they are. Literally, the whole rest of the chapter is just Gandalf dumping all of the woes of the world onto Frodo's shoulders. It's so bad. So I I feel a lot of ways about Gandalf, and um, I can't wait to get into that throughout this series you know what i'll say i'll save that comment for for a second so they started talking about the rings and yeah gandalf's been doing a very extensive research project in the nine years he's been gone yes and that's what we that's what we find out last episode uh, my guest and i casey talked about how it was we both found it a little strange that gandalf has this concern about the ring and he has this worry but he doesn't do anything about it and he just leaves it with frodo um and doesn't take it from him and i remember thinking that's such a dumbledore move Oh, these wizards and their wily ways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I can really see how a lot of people think J.K. Rowling just copied, like, Lord of the Rings. Dude, honestly, reading both Harry Potter and Game of Thrones after reading Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, there is no original content. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, that's what I also had to tell myself when I was making this, when I decided to make this podcast, because <laughs> there's already a, I was like, oh, well, like, so I listened to Potterless. He is reading Harry Potter for the first time in his life, chapter by chapter, basically. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous that he gets to have that experience. Right? Have you? Of reading have you, for the first time. I recommend listening to it if you haven't. Okay. It gets, yeah, I, I have to say, it gets really depressing whenever he mentions, <laughs> uh, whenever he mentions like how great Fred is. He specifically is like, yeah, oh, no. Fred is the superior twin. I love him. He's amazing. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And it, uh, let's not get into that trauma right now. It's I, so I just painful. can't even. Anyway, I'm yeah. Curious. So, yeah, there's so many other podcasts out there where people are reading a book chapter by chapter. Um, and so I kind of had to accept that, yes, there is no original content. Yeah, I wonder if when Tolkien was writing this, or like when this originally came out, if people read it and were like, oh my gosh, he totally just copied the Mystic Magical Ring Mountain by Jellipede Smith. Well, at the time, fantasy wasn't really a thing. And it definitely, 
I've I am I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. That's why I'm here. So I've listened to a lot of other podcasts and stuff. But fantasy was not a thing when Tolkien was writing these, and it definitely was not a thing for adults. People were like, "What kind of nonsense are you wasting your life on?" But he he basically invented a genre. Yeah, yeah. And so um, he well, okay. So Tolkien, yes. Fine, there's original content. But since then, no. <laughs> anyway, so they are talking, and this is what I have picked out as my favorite quote slash passage from this chapter. And he's he's telling Frodo what he's learned, and he can now officially say that the ri- yes, this ring is evil. And he says, A mortal Frodo who keeps one of the great rings does not die, but he does not grow or obtain more life. He merely continues until at last every minute is a weary and if he often uses the ring to make himself invisible, he fades. He becomes in the end invisible permanently and walks in the twilight under the eye of the dark power that rules the rings. Dang. Yeah. I also really just want walks you, in the- You cut out for a minute. Okay. Uh, I was just saying I want walks in the twilight under the eye of the dark power to be like my band name or something. <laughs> I want that to be on my tombstone. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I just love, I just specifically love the line. He continues until at last every minute is a weariness. Like, that's how much of a drag the ring is on on the soul and the life of of whoever wears the ring. Yeah, totally. And that's that's something that I think really is really interesting that Gandalf said is um, somewhere in this very dense chapter is that, like, what saved Bilbo in the end is that he, like, was able to willingly part with it because it hadn't really sunk its teeth into him yet. But if he had had it separated from him the way that Gollum did, it would have, like, I I guess, driven him mad. Yeah, and in that way, it reminds me a lot of the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's Stone. Sorcerer's Stone, because we're dumb Americans. What's a philosopher? <laughs> and how, you know, Dumbledore hides the stone, and Harry gets it because he wanted, he wanted to get the stone, but not use it. I really I see those parallels there. How it's it's about um you know the the right person to take care of it and have possession of it is the person who wants to keep it from people who would use it in the wrong ways. Yeah, and that also reminds me of something I was going to say earlier. Um, we were talking about how <laughs> Gandalf, one of the most powerful wizards of all, you know, of the of the third age of whatever in Middle Earth, um, is like, Frodo, this is your problem now. And about how he's like, he's like foisting this terrible burden onto this like poor dude. It kind of reminds me, okay, so I, I, like, there's this trope in fantasy of like, the mundane is sometimes able to like, cloak the extraordinary. Yes. Like you have to put it in like the Shire because what's going on in the Shire? Nothing Mm -hmm. is like, just put it somewhere that seems so normal. Yeah. And maybe no one will notice that it's there. Yeah. And that's what, um, not to make the billionth Harry Potter reference of the episode. No, lay it on me. That's, that's what the like premise of Harry Potter is, is that it's this very ordinary, mm-hmm. like sad, tragic little boy. And he finds out that he is a very special, amazing, extraordinary wizard. I am the chosen. Yeah, one. but I am the chosen. <laughs> yes. So Gandalf says all this and then followed up by the understatement of the year. Frodo says, 
How terrifying. Yeah, really? <laughs> but this is like, terrible. Yes. And then it says, there was another long silence. Like, I'm just imagining, like, wow, that's terrifying. And then they just sit there, like, Gandalf's, staring at each other, like, uh. Gandalf's just like, well, you're not wrong. Oh, I wrote down specifically, this is what, this, so here's the thing. I'm really enjoying Gandalf so far because he has a lot of, and it's, it's no surprise to me that I'm enjoying Gandalf because Dumbledore is also one of my favorite characters and I see so many parallels between their two characters but but this is what this is one thing that's really getting grinding my gears he's he's very particular and pretty pedantic and it's just kind of annoying there are some points where he really reminds me of like Ted on how I met your mother (laughs) for example Frodo says how long have you known all this and Gandalf says known I have known much that only the wise know Frodo but if you mean known about this ring well i still don't know okay like, we get yes, it you're a big we, shot gandalf it's like yes we're, we're talking about this ring how long have you known about this ring <laughs> then goes into the confusing math hole that i didn't know i would need to do gandalf throws the ring into uh the fire to show frodo that it's not just an ordinary ring and when they take it out, it the fire has revealed a scripture or a piece of script on the ring. Which, by the way, I do not believe that the following script could be on a ring. <laughs> it's too many words, but whatever. So it says, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. Ooh. Yeah. The, those are like the two lines. That's like all, that's like the whole series. It's like those two lines. Even I knew that without having read, you know, read these books or known much about it. I know that these two lines are, are yeah. the real deal. But it, yeah, I question how they could possibly fit onto the ring because it's a lot of words, but okay. Well, it's Elvish of an ancient Yeah, mode. maybe it's... Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe the Elvish, you know, script comes out to be shorter than all of that. Mary Clay, you know there are people out here who can, like, who can write and speak Elvish, like, fluently. Somebody's gonna send you an email and be like, well, this is exactly you, how. You <laughs> underestimate how, uh, how many people I think are gonna listen to me, a dum-dum, <laughs> read Lord of the Rings... Um, which uh, we will get to right now. <laughs> this is where I reach my peak dumbness. These two lines are part of a larger verse. And the rest of the verse goes, Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone, nine for mortal men doomed to die, one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. So, I, like I said, big dum-dum, didn't realize there was more than one ring, even though the name of these books are The Lord of the Rings, plural. (laughs) Yeah, but it's The Fellowship of the Ring, so it's confusing. Thank you. There is that, there is that defense. Yeah, so, but that's, like, the thing is, like, it's, like, they're, like, if this one ring falls, the other rings fall too. It's like yeah. the it's like an exponential threat. It just keeps getting worse. So this is this is where listeners, if you happen to already be following me uh, or following the podcast on Twitter or Instagram, so I posted an Instagram story flipping through my notes that I took, and I took a lot of notes on like just this these two pages. It's a lot, and it's all about the rings and me trying to parse out. Okay, how many rings? 
are there exactly? Because at first I was like, okay, when it says one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, I was like, okay, so is this one collective ring that does all of these things or are they three separate rings? And then I was like, this is, I realized this is like one of those riddles where it's like, where it's like, Amy has seven apples and she gives six apples to Jack, but Jack brought yes. three out. You're like, oh God, how many apples? Thank you. Thank you for validating <laughs> my confusion because I was, so I've since learned, I think, that there are 20 rings. That's just way too many. <laughs> which, okay, leads me to my next point, which is if there is one ring that is superior to all of them, then why did they make the other 19 if you could just have the one? Uh, the ways of the Dark Lord are clouded in shadow. We will never understand his <laughs> method. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I should also say that whenever I ask any questions, you do not have to answer. You can plead the fifth and not answer them if you think the answer might okay. give something away. But I'm really hoping that at some point in these three books that some of the background about how these rings exactly got made and why they got made and who made them. Or maybe, do did we learn in this chapter who made them? Uh, uh, uh God, I'm like so afraid of spoiling anything. I mean, I think the implication, the implication is that Sauron. Is it Sauron? The the enemy with a capital E. Okay, okay, cool. Yes. Some kind of mysterious dark shadow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the elven rings and the dwarf rings, like, you know, I think that those maybe, maybe you could learn more in the Cimmerillion. Maybe not. I haven't read yet. But definitely they talk about the nine rings that went to mortal men because he talks about the, the ring wraiths. Yes. So I think that the purpose of those was to, like, bind these servants to Sauron forever, which, like, I mean, ages and ages have passed since Sauron was last in power, and um, Gandalf is speculating that these ring wraiths are, like, still around, so clearly they... I don't know, made them into like eternal scary shadow people Yeah, may or, may or may not be coming for Frodo. Yes. So, okay. So now here's a rundown of, so there are 20 rings. Here's, if I got this straight, the rundown of where they are. Okay. So the three elf rings are safe. Because the elves are beautiful okay. and amazing and they got this. Yes. Which I can't wait to talk about in my chapter three ep. So the seven dwarf rings, four of them were eaten by dragons. Classic. Classic dwarf shenanigans. Okay, cool. And then Sauron got the other three. Yeah, and it's important to note that Gandalf says that the dragon, there are so few dragons around these days. Uh, read The Hobbit if you don't know what I'm talking about. And um, okay. and like the dragons that do exist, their their fire is not the, the same hot fire of old that could like destroy these rings. Yeah. So yeah, that's like not an option that. anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just feed the one ring to a dragon? Bada bing, bada boom. Yes. Yeah. I picked up on that, that the dragons are like going extinct or an endangered species or something. Yeah. It's, it's really cool in these books how, I mean, just the history is so, if Middle Earth feels old by the time we get here, you know, yeah. Like, the way the ages ebb and flow, it just feels so natural. You know, they talk about how the elves are, like, leaving this world behind them. And, and it's, like, it's just so unlike most fantasy, you know? It's, like, it's like so much has already happened. I, I have a feeling that, like, when I, go, when I go and read The Hobbit, a lot of my questions or, you know, curiosities about something will be answered. Well, that's the, the thing with The Hobbit is that it, it really is, like, it's like Lord of the Rings light. It's like an adventure story. It... it 
it definitely some of your an- questions will be answered, but um, it it's really a lot more just like Hobbit and Dwarf shenanigans. Like nice, it doesn't really. It's not as in depth as these books by I'm any into that. measurement. Yeah, well that that's why it's a really good place to start for people. Um, you know who people are like, oh, I could never get into Lord of the Rings. I'm like, well, that's. I mean, I get that, but try the Hobbit. Well, it's it's funny because now I'm o for two of people saying like maybe you should have started with the Hobbit, but it's too late now. <laughs> No, no, no. I, li- I like the way you're doing it. I like the way you're doing it. Cool. Thank you. I think it's because ugh, Hollywood uh, making the Lord of the Rings movies first and then going back and doing the Hobbit movies. Which do not, do not get me started on the Hobbit movies. Or are they not good? It is one thing to misrepresent or weaken a book in its translation to film. But it is another thing when you miss mess with the politics Uh-oh. of of a world that a dead man has created. It was his life's work. And the movies like mess with the politics of it. And I'm going to leave it at that. And you can just see it unravel for yourself. That disappoints me because I know Martin Freeman is in it. And it's... He's by far the best part of it. I was going to say, he he seems like he was born to play a hobbit. Well, yeah, for sure. And then also Benedict Cumberbatch is the voice of the dragon. Oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Very hot. Literally, because he's a dragon. <laughs> have you, if yeah, you, if you have not seen both you, Christina, and you, listener, if you have not seen <laughs> videos of the motion, the them filming the motion capture for Benedict Cumberbatch, like he put on a mocap suit and like acted like a dragon and was like writhing <laughs> on the floor and like growling and using like the deepest part of his voice and I was like this is very strange that I find this attractive <laughs> oh my god he's a true artist would recommend yeah anyway back to Lord of the Rings okay so Sauron has the other three dwarf rings and four of them were eaten by dragons this is this is where I got some some confusion because so it says nine there are nine rings that were given to mortal men. The rings turned them into ring wraiths? Yes. Okay. Is that is that because like power of the rings should not be given to men because it will corrupt them? Or was that Sauron's doing? The language in this selection I think is important. I mean, we've seen we've heard about in this chapter. I don't know if it's happened already, but but what the ring does to a hobbit who's already kind of like a low-key magical species. They don't have explicit magic, but they have like low-key magic and you'll see a lot more of that as this kind of unfolds fold um but it says like nine he gave to mortal men proud and great and so ensnared them and i think that the implication there is that man as tolkien calls it otherwise known as humans yes um (laughs) um are like already predisposed to be it kind of ensnared by i don't want to say evil but like corruption yeah you know got you yeah and so this this is also where i run i ran into trouble with his his pronouns and his antecedents, which are impossible to follow. Okay, so for example, it says nine he gave to mortal men, proud and great, so ensnared them. Long ago they fell under the dominion of the one, and they became ring wraiths, shadows under his great shadow, his most terrible servant. So at the at the time of reading this, I was like, okay, so who who is he? Who gave the mortal men the rings? And then if it's the same he that gave the rings to like the elves and the dwarves, then why is he trying to get them back? 
Like that just doesn't tra- that doesn't track to me that like he would have given rings to people and then said never mind I want them back. So he doesn't want the rings back. He wants the one ring. That's his ring, and he did not mean to lose it. Okay. And he was really upset about it, and it, was, it ruined his life, and it's taken him okay. um, a really long time. Like, it's, he's been, like, in the pits of Tartarus, basically, like, recuperating. And so he's, like, ready now. He's been mustering his strength, and he's ready now to try to get this one ring back, because once he gets the one back, then he will be in a better position to control the other ones. But the nine mortal men who are now ring wraiths are enslaved to the ring. So it's like the ring and Sauron are like kind of one in the same. They're like two halves of a whole. And so the ring wraiths are enslaved to the ring, the one ring, and the one ring all it wants is to be reunited with the enemy Sauron. The ring wraiths are serving Sauron's interests because they are like enslaved enslaved in this way to the one ring okay that's very helpful i was just very like i just i i'll, I'll have to like take a picture of my notes or something and, and post them because i was Is just, it just like, a page full of question marks and scribbles yes <laughs> <laughs> like i was like i wrote like they fell under the domain who who was who was they <laughs> oh yeah so then gandalf says speaking about sauron slash the evil dark shadow slash the enemy with a capital e i guess says the nine he has gathered to himself the seven also or else they are destroyed so it says the seven so he has the nine mortal men rings but it says he's also gathered the seven but i thought the dragons ate four of them i think in this sentence he is saying some are destroyed maybe all are destroyed but if not he probably has them i think you know what the dwarf rings are uh don't really come up again later that's great to hear i love to hear stuff like that (laughs) great check Cross that off my list. Not worry. Yep. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um. I just want to side note that Tolkien like really capitalizes a lot of words. Yes. It it helps to figure out what's important based on how he capitalizes them. But like, I don't know. Why do you need to capitalize mortal Um, men? Last episode specifically, I had or last chapter. Um. I highlighted specifically. I need to flip to it. It's when Bilbo is making his big speech and then he leaves and. In his, like, final line, Tolkien capitalizes the words announcement, end, now, and goodbye. And it's just so dramatic, and I love it. It's great. I feel like he's trying to convey how, like, self-important Bilbo is when he's making this I love it. I'm here speech. for it. I'm here for it. I, I, really lo- I really love Bilbo. I've only experienced yeah. one chapter of Bilbo, but I don't know why I'm getting the impression that he's a Slytherin, but um, I'm here for it. I think it. the ring makes you a Slytherin. If you spend enough time with Hey, it's not the evil part. It's the fact that he's a little bit self-motivated, maybe. Not evil. And now he's he's gone. I really I I sincerely hope that we come across him again in these books that they Do you think you're gonna run into him? Um Because the hobbits think he's dead. Yes. Well yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> now I'm second yeah, guessing no, myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I predict that we will run wild prediction time. I predict that we will run across Bilbo again and their paths will cross somehow and they're going to and they're going to ask for Bilbo's help and try to enlist him and he's going to be like, mm, "I'm not about that anymore. Sorry." And he's going <laughs> to I I retired. He's going to peace out again and be like, "Oh no." Suddenly, I can't read. Bye. <laughs> uh, no habla inglés. Yeah. <laughs> New phone who dis. <laughs> 
Well, I hope you're right. Yeah, me too. Gandalf goes into the background of the One Ring and talks about- So much background. And talks about, yes, so much background. Oh my gosh. And talks about the story of how, of what happened to it before Bilbo got it from Gollum. So we find out that- Gollum was originally a person who I guess is somehow kind of related to the hobbits or similar in nature to the hobbits. Yeah, I think I think he is like he like was a hobbit, but just like a really long time ago, and maybe they were slightly different. Yeah. And they used to not be afraid of the river. Yeah. So that's like a big plot twist for Frodo is that this descent no ancestor, that's the right word, this like Mm -hmm. ancestor of the hobbits, Smeagol, became Gollum and became this this evil creature. Yeah, it's like the most tragic story in the entire series and it happens in the second chapter and it's just like, uh. And well, and that's what's at stake, right? Like Bilbo's attachment to the ring and now Frodo has it and um, that's That's what's at stake is not only like his life. I mean, the word is humanity, but his hobbit tanity. Yes. Hobbit tanity. I love it. (laughs) It's like a botanical garden, but full of uh, hobbits. (laughs) I also just, I just like this one part. So in the story, Smeagol and his friend Deagle, which by the way, I love the name of all these people. (laughs) Like like Frodo's dad, I think is named like Frogo or something. It's it's Drogo. Drogo. That's it. Yeah. The the name the name Drogo just reminds me of um this is such a like deep cut reference or whatever, but it's in a very Potter musical, the sequel, and <laughs> Draco's dad in the musical calls like Draco like he's calls him like Draco. And so that's what I I don't know, it just reminds me of like how in that specific production of Harry Potter, how Lucius would might pronounce Draco's name. Draco. Like, Draco's not a pretentious enough sounding name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone hasn't ever watched a Harry Potter musicals, at least one and two, I highly recommend it. I consider yeah, it... Yeah, you're the one who originally recommended it. I consider it the pinnacle of comedy. <laughs> if you've ever heard the phrase, Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders... <laughs> That's where it came from. It came from that. It came from this group of college kids in 2008, pre-Glee, Darren, Chris, pre, for anyone who watches BuzzFeed, pre-lady-like Devin Little, or Lytle, whatever her name is, she plays Cho Chang. Anyway, to that I would recommend. I'm also just very upset that there's no Lord, there's no like, low-budget college production of Lord of the Rings, the musical, for me to watch. I know, there aren't enough, like, side shenanigans for Lord of the Rings. Maybe it's because it's such, like, an old and respected tome, and Tolkien was so very, very serious. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of, that's what I'm kind of hoping might spark something with this Amazon Prime series, which hopefully yeah. will end up, ha- will actually end up, you know, coming to fruition. I'm hoping that, like, it'll spark a new wave of, like, fandom, and that there will be all these new things that people want to do because of it. Yes. So Smeagol betrays his friend Deagle and kills him to f- get this ring that they found in the river. It's like so creepy. Yes. He's like, oh give, my us, gosh. give us that Deagle, my love. Uh, like, yes. why, uh, why are you talking to me like that? It's Smeagol, very... Bro. <laughs> oh, and then this is what I wanted to point out earlier. It's uh, Smeagol says... Give it, I'm not even going to attempt a Smeagol voice. It says, <laughs> give us that ring, Deagle, my love, said Smeagol over his friend's shoulder. Why, said Deagle? Because it's my birthday, my love, and I want it. 
I don't care, said Deagle. I love that. I love he goes, I don't care. I don't care. It's a yeah, it's a very it is a very tragic, sad story of Yeah. He kills his friend, who you also find out that no one ever finds out like Deagle's family and friends never know what happened to him or he was never found yeah. or anything. All they know is that I guess he and his friend Smeagol went on this trip and Deagle didn't come back. Which, whoops, all my like true crime knowledge tells me, well, maybe the first person you should investigate is Smeagol, but okay. (laughs) Dramatic flip of the page. So yes, the ring continues to corrupt Smeagol and he eventually kind of becomes outcast from everyone and his friends and family and turns into this disgusting, horrible creature. Yeah. Known as Gollum. He took to thieving, going about muttering to himself and gurgling in his throat. So they called him Gollum and cursed him and told him to go far away. Yum. Love it. (laughs) And then this next part really reminds me of the best qualities of Dumbledore and also the best (laughs) qualities of Gandalf. Gollum, cried Frodo. Gollum, do you mean that this is the very Gollum creature that Bilbo met? How loathsome. I think it a sad story, said the wizard, and it might have happened to others, even to some hobbits I have known. It just like, oh, my heart, because Gandalf has this like wherewithal to, to recognize that it's it's not like a, a story of hatred or anything like that. It's a sad story. Yeah, he has this like wisdom of the ages. I think that you see a little bit more later about where he kind of gets that from and about how, how really how old this, this like realm is and how it carries its history with it. And he really kind of like gets that. Yeah. And so he has this perspective. Frodo's just like, ew, weird. <laughs> Gandalf's like, no, no, no. This could happen to you. Yeah. And then later on, he uh, Frodo also says he wishes that Bilbo had killed Gollum. No, no, no. Me, me, me. That's my favorite. Oh, you go. That, I, you go. I, I highlighted it. That's my favorite line. So wait, Um, he's like, he deserves death. That's what Frodo says. And Gandalf said, deserves it, I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. Oh. He's talking about himself. Can't see all ends. laying down the cold, hard truth. Yeah. And it just, it really goes to show how small Frodo's mind is right now. At the very beginning of this story, he's just like, ew, kill him. Yeah. And then um, also, also further up another quality Gandalf wisdom quote I want to say, share is pity. It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy not to strike without basically saying that it's not a weakness that Bilbo didn't kill Gollum. It's a strength. Yeah. That was my second runner up favorite passage. Just laying some wisdom on you um frodo before i send you into the wide world of danger yes so um yeah so all that being said about how you know wonderful and wise and and great gandalf is um then we take a hard left and in my feelings towards him where i'm like gandalf can't you like you know help him with anything at all nope can't even touch it gandalf is basically like yes what a terrible burden you have to carry now. Wow, what a what a hard thing you are going to have to do. Isn't it horrible that all of this is on you now, Frodo? <laughs> He's like, worst inheritance ever. How about that Uncle Bilbo? So then they try to I also, destroy it. Oh, well, I was going to say, I, I find it interesting that Gandalf wasn't even sure that this was the one ring 
until because Frodo asks him like, well, how do you know this is the ring or something? Or, or when did you know? And Gandalf goes like, oh, I just learned it just now when I threw it in the fire and it revealed that that script. <laughs> uh, we're just like um, groping in the dark here trying to figure out what the heck to do. Exactly. I get I it feels like there's a lot of being in the dark <laughs> feeling so far, especially especially more yeah. into chapter. I just three had like well. a, a vision. It, the getting off throwing the ring into the fire is like kind of like taking a pregnancy test. He's like, no marks, no marks, no marks. <laughs> ah, crap. <laughs> yeah. So all of this um, exposition dropping eventually comes to a close. Basically, uh, yeah. After like twenty, pages. which I feel like nowadays. This, like, I feel like this is the cardinal rule of, like, how they say not to write stories. Like, you're not supposed to do huge exposition dumps like this. <laughs> like, you're supposed to kind of, like, have them yep. figure it out along the way. Yeah, that that's definitely something that a lot of rookie, rookie authors do constantly is, like, let me tell you the entire story of all, the entire magical system of my fantasy world that I just invented. And it's like, oh, well, why don't we just uh, figure it out as we go? Yeah. It's a lot more fun that way yeah which um i guess um in hindsight i'm glad that he did this exposition dump like this because if i was just trying to figure you know given how confused i was reading it like this all at once i think i would be even like doubly confused just trying to figure it out and pick up on things along the way yeah yeah and um it's funny because i was my boyfriend sean shout out to sean he probably won't listen to this but that's fine but he was at he was like what is this chapter about and i told him i was like it's this and this and this and this and he pointed out to me that in the movies, there's a, oh my gosh, I don't know what you call it in movies, but there's like an opening scene where it's like some other character that you, Mary Clay, will meet later is like telling you this whole backstory. It's like, long ago, the rings were for, before the story even starts, they're just like, you're, you're going to need this and we don't want Gandalf to have to talk this long. So it's like the equivalent of the intro to Avatar, the last airbender series. The yes, it is exactly ago, like that. Before nations. <laughs> and when the world needed him most he vanished, he vanished. <laughs> yes so this exposition dump is essentially over and gandalf you know frodo i think eventually you know comes to the conclusion is like i have to go destroy this don't i and gandalf was like yep you know that's why i'm here and frodo tries to give it to gandalf and is like well i don't want it you take it and gandalf is smart because he knows enough to that he shouldn't even like have it on his in his possession. Yeah, the, the risk is just way too high. Yeah, he is such a powerful, you know, capable wizard of of doing insane, terrible things. If he was under, you know, corrupt influence, and he he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I can't do that. I can't risk it. It's up to you, Frodo, pure of heart, Hobbit. Yeah. So G- Gandalf's like, if you turn to the dark side, we'll be fine. We'll just find another Hobbit. Yeah, it's to like take it to I turn to the dark side. We're all screwed. <laughs> um, me. So meanwhile, I should point out that meanwhile, throughout this entire conversation, Tolkien has very subtly been dropping in things, of, comments about like they could hear Sam's shears snipping outside, and then oh, it sounds like his <laughs> shears are getting a little bit closer. And then at one point, they notice that the sound of the clipping has stopped altogether, and Gandalf then kind of starts talking to Frodo about like, yes, you should only tell those you trust. Only the people that you really, truly believe 
are going to be okay with knowing this information. And then he walks over to the window and looks down and there's Sam eavesdropping on all of this. Sam, Samwise Gamgee is such a little, like a little brother, you know? Just like, ah, yes. Sam. Yes, and so I listened to the audiobook version and then I read it through again, um, just to make sure it's really in my brain. And the first time listening, I was like, oh, Gandalf is like, he just discovered that Sam is eavesdropping. But the second time I was like, Gandalf probably knew all along that Sam was eavesdropping on them because he walks, you know, he he's, what does he say? He's, he definitely says, well, bless my beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So he says, but I don't think you need to go alone. Not if you know of anyone you can trust and who would be willing to go by your side and that you would be willing to take into unknown perils. But if you look for a companion, be careful in choosing and be careful of what you say, even to your closest friends. Suddenly he stopped as if listening. Frodo became aware that all was very quiet inside and outside. Gandalf crept to one side of the window. Then with a dart, he sprang to the sill and thrust a long arm out and downward. There was a squawk and up came Sam Gamgee's curly hair hauled by one ear. Classic. And then Gandalf threatens to turn Sam into a toad if he rats on all this, basically. (laughs) He's like, snitches get turned into toads. Oh, uh, that's the the law of the yes, shire. Yes. And for and Sam's just like I I heard a great deal that I didn't rightly understand, and I'm scared. Oh my gosh! Exactly. <laughs> He's like I don't know what you were talking about. It sounded real important, <laughs> but um, I'm excited. He's like I don't know. There's a there's a I I think I communicate most well in gifts, and there's a specific gift from a moment in an episode of Friends where Chandler's jumping up and down and he goes, I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited. <laughs> that, that's Sam Weinstein? That's 100% Sam. Because he... <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, bringing this this chapter to a close. Yes, so Gandalf says, like, yes, Sam, you can go with Frodo. And Sam says, me, sir, cried Sam, springing up like a dog invited for a walk. Me go and see elves and all. Hooray! He shouted and then burst into tears. <laughs> Which, like, I just, I almost feel like Frodo takes him along, like, I don't want to say, like, non-consensually, but he definitely does not have a full understanding at all of what he is getting himself into. He's like, ooh, elves! And it's like, nah, dude, no, 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 no. This is, this is really serious. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to walk really far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I will discuss more uh, on my next episode for chapter three. Exciting. So, um, so what, what did I learn today? Well, I learned how many rings there are. I learned that there is more than one ring. <laughs> but there is also the one ring. Yes, there is also the one ring. I learned the mortal men were taken over by the rings and are now ring wreaths under the domain of Sauron slash the enemy with a capital E. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it clears up a lot of confusion. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Christina, thank you for coming on. What would you what would you like to plug? Where can people find you on the internet if you want to share where people can find you on the internet? Of course, I'm desperate for digital attention. You can find me on Instagram at writing skyward. That's like writing a book um, skyward, like Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Oh my gosh, we have to later that reminds me. We'll have to I don't know at some point or when or how or where, but we'll have to talk about Zelda because I got real I got a Nintendo Switch over Black Friday and Breath of the Wild. Yes! And I'm obsessed with uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, so. It's like the most beautiful game. I've played so many Zelda games. I, um, and guess what? I also have a Zelda tattoo. I'm a huge nerd. I love it. 
So anyway, I totally um, cut you off. Yes. So where can yeah, where can people, okay. they can find you on your Instagram? Um at writing Skyward. Um I <laughs> I don't know my Twitter handle and I never go on it. I'm trying to get better about it, but um oh well, just find me on Instagram. <laughs> you know, if you in all honesty, if you can live with not going on Twitter, I would stay like that. I know, but I'm the kind of person where sometimes I'm like, oh, I have a really funny thought and there's no one here to hear yeah, it. <laughs> I I feel that way all the time, and that's why I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And definitely check out Brandy Lane on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Brandy Lane Publishers. So check us out. Cool. We like books there. Yes. Their Instagram is very, uh, it's perfect for like great, wholesome book content. We're very wholesome. Yes, it's great. They posted a really great, uh, in particular on the day we're recording, there was a really great uh, meme about Hamlet and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that was posted today. <laughs> which I'm here for. <laughs> I will have to go look at that because I've been on vacation for the last week and I have no idea what's going on That's at that right. company. <laughs> yes. It's it was a it was a great meme. It was a it was like a meme from the office and it was yes. just like Okay, it was like Horatio to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. All right, you need to spy on uh, Hamlet, but like be subtle about it and don't freak out. And then it was screen caps of Andy and um, shoot, I forget his name. I don't watch The Office, but it was a screen cap of two people from The Office freaking out over the vending machine, like catching on fire or something. <laughs> so um, quality content, but... You can find uh, That's What I'm Talking About on Instagram and Twitter at TolkienAboutPod. And if you want me to see something, you can also use the hashtag TwitterPod. That's T-W-I-T-A pod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWatt. 416 and on Instagram at MC turn down for what yes, best best Instagram handle ever thank you thank you I worked um way too hard on it <laughs> in case you can't tell by the name of this podcast I like word-based puns so <laughs> there you go that's what I'm talking about is a production of bacon and eggs you can learn more about bacon and eggs by going to bacon and eggs dot media the cover art that I love a lot that Christina you actually you've probably seen it now because I posted it on Twitter yeah it's I mean awesome. on um Instagram so yeah, it is by Faishon Brandon. You can go support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. Anything else you'd like to share with our audience, Christina? Nope. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs>